tackle them, we gotta out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out bluff them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome in. It is week eight of college football. This is the Dream Preview College Football Edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. And we are trying to put together a, a final push. Uh, it, it's funny because last weekend, the podcast was very smart. Uh, but then we had to make some changes due to line moves, things like that. And we took off some winners and replaced them with some losers, which hasn't been the case most of this year. Yeah. This week it was. I feel like we – I don't want to say we have become – victims of the line moves, but we're trying to be smart here. If someone's giving you a point and a half off of what the spread is, don't you just bet that all the time? Yeah. Like if I told you, you can bet every single college football game, AJ, for the entire season, and I'm going to give you a point and a half in any direction you want, don't you think you would, don't you think you would hit like I don't know, 80% winners? Yeah. If that was the case? Well, maybe not 80, but... Well, you, would, yeah. you, would, you would have a I'd significant be edge. So that's the case. We've seen too many times where the contest lines differ from the market line, and by the time we get to Saturday morning, some of these line moves are, are to the point where it's hard to ignore the value you're getting on some of these contest picks or the value you're losing on some of these contest picks. So, yeah, sometimes we have actually removed winners because of the negative closing line movement, whereas we would have been better off keeping it in there. But, I mean, it's the wise thing to do. And the contest is hard because not every game is available. For the stations, the last man standing contest that I'm in, the – the line moved against me on the game that I wanted to play. So I said, all right, I'm not going to play this Mm -hmm. game. Instead, I took a game that I had some good closing line value in and it worked out for me. So it's not like it's a, you know, it it always loses. Yeah. Uh, But this week was rough for the, the Will Hill contest, which I mean, they give some, some odd lines to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're doing the best we can with the, with the contest. But uh, the good news is on, on the pod itself, we had some winners, so hopefully that'll be the case again, and hopefully we can translate that into our money on that contest as well. Uh, let's go ahead and kick off this week. I'll give you the honors. First of all, how do you feel about the card? Last week we were spoiled. There were so many great matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do, how do you feel about this week's card? Uh, there could have been some more desirable games, yeah. if, if, if that's putting it nicely. Now, we do have some good matchups, some matchups that uh, we have a lot of top 25 matchups. You know, UCLA-Oregon is a, a top 25 matchup. Syracuse-Clemson, Texas against Oklahoma State, Mississippi State-Alabama, Kansas State-TCU. So there's a lot of top 25 matchups, but not a lot of value I see in the spreads in a lot of these games. Uh, dug through, dug deep, came up with ones that I like. Some of them might be uh, popular and others might be extremely unpopular, but I'm okay with that. Well, kick it off. Where are you going? I'm going with UCF. We're going to play on the Central Florida Knights on the road going to East Carolina. 
This is an East Carolina team coming off an emotional four-overtime homecoming win against Memphis last week, a game that featured nine of the final ten possessions of the game in the red zone. Memphis punted only one time in that football game, and it was turnovers, the difference as to why that game even went into overtime, or else Memphis probably wins that by double digits because East Carolina couldn't stop them. Central Florida is the 13th-ranked scoring offense in the country, averaging 41.3 points per game. Reese Plumley is a true dual threat. He's having a nice season, 11 passing touchdowns, 7 rushing scores, and I think East Carolina is going to have trouble keeping the Knights out of the end zone. Also, Central Florida defensively has done a tremendous job this season. They're the number one red zone defense in the country. So even if East Carolina gets down there, they're going to have to settle for field goals. This is a Central Florida team that has only allowed nine touchdowns in their first six games. It's a short spread underneath a touchdown, north of a field goal. I'm taking the Knights on the road to to pick up this win and stay in contention for the American Conference. Let me give you my one concern on this. Central Florida's had one road game this year, and it was at Florida Atlantic, who's absolutely dreadful to Mm -hmm. begin with. I mean, we always talk about the the home field advantage that they have, which is a big home field advantage. And the, the truth is this might be the second best team they've played this year. I mean, the and Louisville's the first, which isn't saying a whole mm-hmm. lot. Well, like, the schedule gets more difficult because they'll play Cincinnati and, and Memphis and Tulane. Yeah, so I, I, that's my one concern is not a lot of time away from the bounce house for Central Florida mm-hmm. and a step up in competition. I, I agree with that. I just think that this is, if you look at their schedule, look at what's coming up, you got to rack up wins when you're supposed to get wins, and – if they want to be in the American Athletic Championship game, this is a game they can't lose. They're 2-0 and in the conference. They would improve to 3-0 and with a win here with a key game against Cincinnati coming up at the bounce house. And then you wrap up your season with the Memphis, Tulane, Navy, South Florida. A win here goes a long way into keeping their conference championship hopes alive. All right, let's go to my first stab at it, and I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers, plus two and a half at the aforementioned Louisville. Louisville banged up coming into this game. Malik Cunningham missed last game with a concussion. Uh, His status for this week is still in doubt. And a backup quarterback was good enough to beat Virginia, Hmm. but... You're good enough to beat Virginia. Yeah, Virginia's terrible. And Tyon Evans, top running back, was also out against Virginia. Louisville's defense has been terrible against the run this season, and that's sort of the the new look of Pitt. This is Narduzzi Pitt, and uh, that's where Pitt's thrive. They're 21st in EPA per rush, and I like the matchup in the trenches here. Pitt's pass rush has been very strong this season, and if Cunningham does play, he's been terrible against pressure. Louisville's wilted against the better opponents that they've played, and in hindsight, like the Pitt loss to Tennessee in overtime – that's a good data point. Like, you know, so they, they, Pitt's re- they've really played one bad game this year. They lost to a Georgia Tech team they had no business losing to. Threw a couple picks, ugly, get ugly loss, certainly. But I still think Pitt's better than this because this is basically saying Pitt and Louisville are equal teams. I don't believe that to be true, especially with the injury concerns for Louisville. I think this game should be a pick at best. So I'm going to take the Pitt Panthers plus two and a half. Yeah, you can't 
you can't let you can't make me bet on Louisville here in this spot. So the only way I would go is to take the points there uh, with Pittsburgh. My next game is maybe not a popular one. I know you disagree with me, but I'm going to take Ole Miss plus the points in Death Valley against LSU. First off, it ain't a night game. Night games in Death Valley are different than afternoon games in Death Valley. And what a season it's been for Ole Miss. Can you be – they might be as quiet a 7-0 and and as quiet a number 7 ranked team in the country as there has been. Why? Because all the focus is on Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. But Ole Miss could be the West representative in the SEC championship game should they go on to beat Alabama. Oh, by the way, that game is in Oxford. Are you sure that's why it's been quiet? Or is it because their best win is Kentucky so far? And they played Troy and Central Arkansas and Tulsa and Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt and Listen, Auburn. Your schedule is your schedule. All you can do is just line up and play who's in uh, front of you. No doubt. And and they have lined up and they have played everybody who's in front of them and they have beaten everybody who's in front of them. And in front of them this week is LSU. Ole Miss is the 15th best scoring team in the nation. Their offensive line has only allowed three sacks all season. And LSU doesn't have much of a pass rush. So Jackson Dart's going to have all day to throw. And if that offensive line opens up holes in the running game, I think Ole Miss is going to be able to sustain some drives, which is not what they usually do. This is so crazy. So they're the 15th highest scoring team in the nation. But they are the worst team in time of possession. What does that mean? They're scoring quickly. They're getting the football and a couple of plays, bam, they're in the end zone. I don't know if LSU has the firepower to match up with that. That's a good point because LSU, it's really kind of amazing the success they're having given their quarterback doesn't throw the ball downfield. Their best receiver has been a ghost this season. Um so, yeah, I, I agree. LSU's not equipped to, to play in a track meet game. Um, although you could argue they won a track meet last week at Florida, mm-hmm. uh, 45-35. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to buy into this LSU team. I had my doubts early in the season. You're the, buying in with your family. Yeah, the, the Florida State win is looking better every week. At the time, I didn't really think much of it. Or uh-huh. the Florida State lost. Is, yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't think much of it at the time, but Florida State's not a bad team. And the Tennessee loss is, well, people are going to lose to Tennessee. But that's the game that I'm looking at here because I look at the Ole Miss offense and I look at that Tennessee game and I wonder why can't Jackson Dart and Because Jackson Dart's not Hinden Hooker. I understand. But why can't this Ole Miss offense, which has been having their way with everybody that they play against, why can't they do what Tennessee did to LSU? And if LSU had all those problems with the Tennessee offense – I just the Tennessee got 500 yards of offense in that game. I think that's what Ole Miss is capable of doing. They're capable of putting up 500 yards of offense. Heck, this team averages 500 yards of offense yeah. per game. So that's the comparative game that I look at. And I think that look, it's a short spread. You're you're giving me just a point and a half on the road. I, I think if 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 the game was obviously in Oxford, Ole Miss is a favorite. I think if both these teams lined up and played. Uh, on on a neutral, let's put this game in the uh, put this game in uh, New Orleans. I think Ole Miss is favored. Actually, maybe not New Orleans because it's still 
you know, Louisiana. Yeah. But put this game in, uh, I don't know, where do you want to put this game? Put this game in Charlotte. You know, put this game in Jacksonville. Put this game in Orlando. Wherever you want to put it. I think Ole Miss is favored on a neutral field. I think what I'm what I'm starting to like with this Ole Miss team is early in the season, they weren't playing with the same pace they did a year ago, and they've started to pick it back up. The last three games, they've got up around that 75 to 79 plays per game range, which is much higher than it was early in the season. So they're, they're starting to get back up into, I think they're in the 30s now in pace, which is good. I think their their offense will work better with pace. I think maybe Kiffin was a little scared to let Jackson Dart handle it because maybe listen Lane Kiffin's dealing with a major drop off at quarterback mm-hmm. whatever you think Jackson Dart is not nearly as good as Matt Corral was no. a year ago so that's why the, the off he, I think his idea was I'm, I'm going to just have I'm going to slow down a little bit I'm going to try to let the game come to him I'm not going to put too much pressure on him I think as the season goes on they start to figure it out uh I, I, I lean to LSU here I but I I'm not strong enough to take you off of it I will say Uncle Dave, Dave Esler has a play on this game, and he's going oppo you. I bet LSU uh, early in the week, actually, plus one and a half over Mississippi. So it looks like it has a line value there because it's flipped to uh, LSU minus one and a half. Still love the game. They're basing this number off of perception uh, and the perception that the Rebels are the seventh best team in the nation. They're not. And I, I don't think it's close. The only above average team they played is Kentucky at home, a game they won by three and put up just 22 points. Their strength of schedule, you know, I looked up and down, I said, you don't think I played anybody. Well, it's 57th, or one spot worse than App State. LSU strength of schedule, they're seventh in the nation. So, of course, on paper, Ole Miss has that advantage. Ah, only if it were that easy. And since they started SEC play, Jason Dart has thrown four of his six interceptions all in the last three games. LSU's done what they had to do, including winning two conference road games not easy to do in the SEC. The two losses by a point to FSU and against the Balls. And after last week's Balls game, that loss doesn't look so bad. LSU was six and six, and they can't Eddie O for Kelly. But in reality, Orgeron never had a chance. After that national championship, they had a COVID year, and last year went six and six. However, they played seven ranked teams. They only lost to Bama by six. Arkansas and OT uh, beat AM as well as Florida. So I don't think 6-6 six and six last year was as bad a loss as it looks. So, you know, maybe they started a little forward to where people put them at the beginning of the season. And again, on paper. And since they don't play the game on paper, uh, the, to me this, this was, at the time, when uh, Mississippi was favored, it was another WTF game where wrong team favored. Um, then, and now they've, they've corrected that, but not by enough. I mean, Jaden Daniels has improved every game. And in his last two starts against Tennessee and the Gators, he's completed 71% of his passes. For 650 yards. I think he carved up Ole Miss. I think LSU walks away with an easy win, so I bet LSU over Mississippi. All right, and as you hear with Dave, that audio was from earlier. LSU was an underdog at one point. They are not now, <laughs> but uh, but either way, uh, the two of you uh, going oppo in this game, I, this is a, a watch game for me. I... I, I like I said, I feel like I'm starting to buy into LSU a little bit. And when I watch what's happening with Notre Dame, it makes me think, man, maybe there was something to Brian Kelly. Mm. Like it, it, that Brian Kelly had that Notre Dame team competing for a shot in the playoffs. And now they're, I mean, they're a disaster. So LSU's got a bye and then Alabama up, up after that. What is a team playing before the bye 
and then having Alabama next. Does that weigh into anything here? Does that make you consider anything? Uh, no. Um, if it was Alabama next week, if, no bye. Yeah. It, yes, definitely. Yeah, but with the, with the bye, I think that they. I mean, listen, Ole Miss is ranked seventh. Alabama's ranked sixth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these are both big games. Mm-hmm. This is uh, it, this isn't like they're playing, you know, Vanderbilt here. This is a this is a big game for LSU. So, uh, I, I think that they'll be focused. I, like I said, I, I'm going to watch and see. Clearly, Ole Miss is focused too because they've got an O next to their name. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, you know, sitting there. Like I said, seventh in the country. They're taking every game seriously. I know we playing every game like it's a playoff game because it kind of is. Yeah, I know we briefly touched on this on Sovam, but think about this scenario that could play out this year. Georgia goes undefeated into the SEC championship game, and then loses to Alabama. Let's say Alabama does yep. not have a loss the rest of the season. We could be staring at 11-1 and Tennessee, who has a win over Alabama and a loss to Georgia. Yeah. 11-1 and Georgia. It'd be 12-1 and Georgia. 12-1 and Georgia. No, 11-1, and because they would lose the SEC championship game. Right, that'd be their one loss. Yes, where's the 12th win? They play 12 regular season games. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, all right, yeah, so 12. Yeah, it'd be 12-0, and you're right. 12-1 yeah. and Georgia. Beat, uh, lost to Alabama, but beat Tennessee. Yeah. You would have 12 and 1, no, 11 and 1 Alabama. Yep. Who beats Georgia but loses to Tennessee. No, they'd, also, they'd be 12 and 1 as well because they'd be 11 and 1 regular season and win the okay. SEC championship. 11 and 1 Ole Miss, yeah. whose only loss is to Alabama. It's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Four one loss SEC teams. Yeah. Should we just have like an all SEC playoff? Well, or let's just crown the SEC champion, the national champion. That's I it. can tell you right now that <laughs> o, an eleven and one Ole Miss is going to be out of the conversation because an eleven and one Ole Miss, their best win will probably be like Mississippi State or this LSU game, or or LSU. I mean, but either either way, that's not going to be enough of a win. I don't think to put them into it. They would have needed, especially because Tennessee would have a win over Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama would have a win over Georgia. Like. You've got to have a, a win over one of your peers. In and that it group. also matters where the games are. So LS, uh, Ole Miss's loss to Alabama would be in Oxford. Losing at home yep. is worse than losing on the road. For sure. All right, I'm going to go for my next play. Ugh. Guys, this is, um, this is gross. I'm just going to warn you in advance. I don't like saying what I'm about to say. Iowa plus 28.5 at Ohio State. Say it with your chest. I can't say it with my chest, but listen, I, I'm betting on this disgusting Iowa offense. It's not going to be fun because I, I don't know what kind of number they're going to be able to put up. I'm hoping for seven. Ten would be awesome. But the defense is strong enough. It should be able to push this Ohio State team like they haven't been pushed yet. And, you know, we saw them in the in the Notre Dame game. The offense struggled a little bit because Notre Dame was playing really good defense early in the season. It's kind of fallen off since then. But Michigan has one of the most efficient offenses in the country. Iowa held them to 27 points. Now, Iowa scored 14 in that game. But if they hold Ohio State to 27 points and scored nothing, <laughs> we still win here. Uh, I was allowing under 10 points a game, and this is the best offense they've seen, but I think they can keep C.J. Stroud on the sidelines long enough to hang around. They're just a tough team to blow out, and Ohio State, they've let a couple other bad offenses hang around the point spreads. I mentioned Notre Dame. 
Arkansas State hung around the point spread. Rutgers hung around the point spread. Michigan State hung around the point spread last week. I don't, I don't think Iowa puts much on the board, but if they give us a touchdown, I think we cover this. 28.5 is just too many points against this Iowa team who's arguably the best defense in the country. They yep. are the best. You know, they're, 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 by metrics, they're one of the top two or three, mm-hmm. but this is clearly one of the best defenses in the country. I, I think they hold 28.5 is just too many against a team like that. I've even seen 29s. So well, maybe by the contest we're getting twenty nine and a half. Twenty nine and a half. I, I would love it. Would be, so, would be something special. Um, I I don't know. <laughs> I, listen, like I said, I wasn't expecting you to they're, say anything nice not, about it. I don't feel great about it. I think the only this is thirty one three final. That works. We'll winner take, winner. We'll take, I'll take the, that. We'll take the twenty eight point that. loss. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, and it's going to be thirty one nothing until Iowa gets the. Last second field goal just to avoid the shutout and feel That's good the about move. themselves. I would take that all day because <laughs> I don't. They're not going to cross the fifty. <laughs> Probably not. It's a seventy-five yard field goal. I'll take it. All right, where are you going for pick three this week? Battle of the unbeaten's Syracuse and Clemson. Yes, orange six, on orange crime. Six and zero Syracuse. There's something about this team, man. Uh, they are speaking of defense, the eighth best defense in the country. You love. Teams that have played a shitty strength of schedule. You're God, like, I, hey, and then, like you, you love those teams when they step up gotta that get, level. Got to get the job done. Okay, you are what your record says that you are, <laughs> and if you line up against an opponent and you stop them from scoring, guess what? You've done a good job. Yep. Everyone's out there. No, it's like I tell people all the time when when they yell about, oh, why did they call that play or why did they do that. There's no play that's designed to fail. Every play is designed to work. If you out-execute your opponent, you're going to gain positive yards. That's the way football is. Man to a man. Hat on a hat, right? Yeah. So, there's no team that's playing Syracuse that's trying to lose. They're all trying to move the football down the field. They're all trying to score. And Syracuse has done a great job of stopping them. The eighth best defense in the country in terms of yards per game. Ninth best defense in the country in terms of yards per play. 12th in passing defense. They've only allowed 10 touchdowns all season long. They allow 13.2 points per game. Only one time has an opponent scored 20 over 20 points against them. That was Purdue. Purdue game. That's it. Plus, Dino Babers has had some success against Clemson in recent years. There was the upset win in 2014 a four-point loss in 2018, a field goal loss just last year against a very similar Clemson team. Same quarterback. Yeah. And a lot of the same defensive players. And Syracuse was able to stay with Clemson last year because of the rushing attack. Sean Tucker ran for 157 yards last year. This year, Syracuse averaging 188.5 rushing yards per game. Last week, Florida State gave Clemson all sorts of fits running the football. They ran for 206 yards against Clemson. I'm not saying Syracuse is going to do the same, but the combination of Sean Tucker and quarterback Garrett Schrader using his legs, they're going to be able to find success against this Clemson defense, and that's got to be the game plan. Just keep the ball out of Clemson's hands on offense. Both of these defenses are, in my opinion, elite, and I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. So I'm taking 13.5 points 
in a game that I don't think gets to 45 total points. This is my favorite of your picks, and anytime I can fade Clemson as a big favorite, I want to do it, although they did cover at Boston College a couple weeks ago. Boston College is a corpse. Um, But in the first half, they struggled. They did. And we've seen them, Wake Forest gave them all they could handle. Uh, NC State ends up being a 10-point game, but, you know, they, they were in that game the entire time. Florida State in that game the entire time. I don't know if Syracuse on the – I know Syracuse isn't on the level of Wake Forest. I could, I, I'll hear an argument that they're on the level of NC State and Florida State. I don't, I don't think that's way off. Um, so if Syracuse can, it, it can, play, can play ball control like you're saying, I think that they should stay in this number. I, I've, I've seen with my eyes – DJU get better mm-hmm. as the season's gone on. And, and Dino Babers has said that. He said the biggest difference is is the quarterback play. and that's the, It's between, night and day from a year what, ago. Yeah, between what they saw last year in the field goal game and this year. Uh, and, and last year was, a, what was it, 17-14, I think it was last year, which it could be a very similar type of game script, low scoring, tightly contested, but the difference is the play of DJ Uyungle. So, uh, if he's improved instead of 17-14, would I be surprised if this is a 27-17? No, but that's still Syracuse covering. Yeah, and last week was the – I mean, it, it was not a, a great week uh, for DJU last week rushing the ball because that's been kind of what his his new move had been. He'd been ru- running the ball really well. Florida State kind of shut that down, so he was very effective through the air. Uh, three touchdowns, no picks last week. So DJ's playing; he's playing the way he, he was supposed to play all along. Mm-hmm. He just stunk last year. There's, it's not like I'm making excuses for the guy, but he was he was terrible a year ago. This Clemson team's a lot better with him playing the way he is, but they're still not a let's go fast, let's run up the score. It's just not what they're doing. It's not what they're doing. They they they, they ran the score up on Boston College. Because Boston College stinks, they ran up the score on Louisiana Tech. Because Louisiana Tech stinks, they ran up the score on Georgia Tech. Because Georgia Tech stinks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the teams that they're competitive with. Can I? Is this you talking about a team having a soft schedule? No, they they played Wake, North Carolina State, and but Florida you're talking State. about the teams that they've the the weak teams. I'm saying they've they've, they, they, they've beat up on bad teams. That yeah. doesn't mean they're going to run away from everybody because there's examples yeah. where good football teams have made these guys work. I think Syracuse can make this team work. I think they will. It's gonna it, and tackling a team that's running the ball a lot like Syracuse is going to do. It's going to weigh on that team. And it's going to be a physical game, and I think fatigue sets in at the end. And I just – Clemson could win this game. They should win this game. They're two touchdown favorites. I just think Syracuse keeps this one closer than what the line is. Yeah. my Again, my concern is this is a big a big step up in schedule for Syracuse. You know, they the win over North Carolina State looks better than it really is because there was no Devin Leary. The Purdue, the Purdue game, Purdue's by far the best team they've mm-hmm. played so far, counting like when you take out the fact that NC State was on a backup quarterback, and that was a three-point win at home. So yeah. they, they were tooth and nail there. But, but even in that game, so Purdue scores 29 points. I think if Clemson scores 31 points, I think Syracuse gets three touchdowns. So 31-21 final score, I'll take that. I, th- I yeah, don't think that's where I'm at. Clemson's not, I don't think Clemson's getting into the 40s. Against this Syracuse team. 
And one other concern is the only road game uh, that that Syracuse has played so far is at UConn, which there was probably more Syracuse fans at that game than UConn fans <laughs> would be my guess. And UConn's barely a football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to be a tough environment for them. But it's not a place where they haven't played before right. and they've had success before. So, you know, Dino Babers has done a tremendous job coaching this team. This is by far his best job. Uh, this is a guy that was on the hot seat there at Syracuse. And like I said, he's had success against this Clemson team. So Syracuse plus 13 and a half. Scott's third play. My third play, I'm going to the Big 12. And a team that I won with a couple weeks ago. Hope they can do it again. Let's go with the TCU Horned Frogs. Minus three and a half, hosting Kansas State. And Kansas State, and here, here I go talking about strength of schedule again. Kansas State's had a nice start defensively. It's because they've only seen one offense that's capable of doing anything, and that was Oklahoma. And the Sooners put up 7.6 yards per play in that game. TCU's the best offense in the Big 12. I'll hear an argument for Texas. I think TCU's still Mm -hmm. the best offense in the Big 12. And statistically, they are. 527 yards per game, 7.7 yards per play. This Kansas State offense is not built to keep up with an offense like that. Adrian Martinez... This is the best Adrian Martinez has ever looked. Yeah. You know why? Because he's got a running back who's playing ball control. Mm-hmm. They're not make they're not having to they're not asking him to make plays because everything they're keeping everything in front of them. They're saying, "Okay, let's let's win a grimy game." You can't win a grimy game against TCU because TCU is going to score forty points. So Adrian Martinez hasn't thrown an interception this season. I would oh, I if I can find a prop, Adrian Martinez throws over a half interception over because they're going to have to push the ball downfield in this game to keep pace. Well, that's the thing. So uh, what I was going to continue saying, yes, they haven't, he hasn't thrown an interception yet this season. He's only thrown for four touchdowns. This is a five and one football team whose quarterback has only thrown for four touchdowns. It's old school football. It is old school football there with the Wildcats. Yeah. He's running the ball. They're 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 scoring by running the football. Don't know how that's going to work against this Sunny Dykes offense. I'm with you, Max Duggan, Quinn Johnson, Kendra Miller, one of the best skill trios in the country, and certainly the best skill trio that Kansas State's seen. So, I like TCU here by a touchdown, maybe even more. So this is this is probably my favorite play. It's my favorite play of yours. Okay. So your favorite play of mine was Syracuse. My favorite play of yours is TCU. All right. Well, there we go. Where are you going for your last play? Uh, <laughs> you preface this by saying, <laughs> I liked three games this week. So let's just let the people know. Don't throw this one into a parlay. Scott said, well, I, I've got to come up with four. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Memphis plus the seven points at Tulane. And part of this handicap is fading the team that has cracked the top 25 for the first time since 1998. We saw it with James Madison last week. Everyone was all happy. The, the five games into their tenure as a Division One, you know, FBS school, and they're ranked in the top twenty-five, and they lose. <laughs> now we have Tulane, who is off to a tremendous start, six and one on the year. Let's throw them into the top twenty-five. This is a 
Tulane team that has a very impressive win against Kansas State. Yeah. That's, team- by the way, that's the difference between Tulane and James Madison. Yes. Tulane has been tested this year. Like they've played some good teams. They've played East Carolina. They they've played Southern Miss. They've played Kansas State. Whether you want to say Houston's a good team, I think Houston and Memphis might can't tackle. Might as well be the same team. Yeah. Uh, But this is a team that's been tested. That was the problem with James Madison. They hadn't seen anything, and then it was like, oh damn it. You know, I'm glad you brought up Houston being a very very similar team, because let's talk about. Uh, these two teams in Memphis playing against Tulane. These teams have alternated wins the past four years. Memphis won the game last year 33-28, so if you're going to go back and forth, I guess you'd say Tulane wins this one. But Seth Hennigan threw for 336 yards and three touchdowns in that game last year. Tulane this year is winning because of their defense. No doubt. They're allowing just 16 points per game, just under 300 yards per game but they have not faced an offense like Memphis yet. And the closest comparison is the Houston Cougars. Clayton Toon threw for 208 yards and two touchdowns. And as a team, Houston rushed for 175 yards and a score. We have a Memphis team that is scoring at will this year. 35.3 points per game. And when they move the ball into plus territory – They come away with points. They have the fifth best red zone offense in the country, which means they get the ball down there. It ain't settling for field goals. Memphis is putting it into the end zone. I think this game might be a shootout. I think these teams go back and forth because you know Memphis defensively just they don't (laughs) they don't really stop anybody. They score a ton of points, they give up a ton of points. I think this is a back and forth game that comes down to the final possession. So I'm going to take the touchdown. This is certainly a contrarian play because Tulane has been elite against the spread this year, 6-1 and one against the spread, average cover margin of over a touchdown per game. Mm-hmm. Memphis has but been a in- lot of that has to do with the huge underdog that they were at Kansas State and they came away with a win. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to skew the numbers a bit. Sure. But this is a... Uh, this is a Memphis team that's been a massive disappointment this year. I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, they were talking about people, me, people were talking about Memphis being one of the teams competing for that the group of five mm-hmm. uh, bowl slot. Yep, back-to-back losses to Houston and East Carolina. The Houston loss was just the most disgusting loss that you're ever going to see. I mean, they're up two touchdowns. They're up two scores. Houston scores a touchdown with no time left on the clock. They get an onside kick and then score another touchdown. We had the over that week. We did. And it was, Thank God. we didn't need the second touchdown. We though. needed the first yeah. one desperately. But that's still an absolute ugly, ugly loss. And then last week, only punting one time yeah. and losing in four overtimes to East Carolina in a game where they should have won by double digits. We talk about turnover luck all the time. It, it was. Every one of their possessions ended in a touchdown with the exception of uh, two interceptions thrown. One of them returned for a touchdown. So if if Hennigan doesn't throw a pick six, you know, Memphis is a 5-2 and two football team and probably not a seven-point dog here against Tulane. Probably not. All right, all right let's go to – I just – I'm a Tulane guy. So, I, I like, as soon as you said Memphis, I was like, oh, no. Don't make me – don't make me fade Tulane. I've – I'm – I get Their it. defense has been so strong in a league. The American, almost no one plays defense. And Tulane's like, 
well, let's just show up and play defense yeah. and see what happens. And it worked against East Carolina. It worked against Houston. Like they they, are, they're, they're holding elite offenses in check. They're very well coached, and I know I'm going to hear it. Uh, my buddy Sean King, who was the quarterback the last time that Tulane was ranked in 1998, Man. I'm sure he's going to listen to this pod and send me a text and 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 say some unfavorable words. But uh, to me, yeah, I just I think this is the the fade the team cracking the top twenty five for the first time. They are maybe not as hungry as they were last week. Probably a little celebratory mode this week, cracking the top twenty five. All right, my last play. I'm going to go with a big favorite. I'm going to lay the wood here. Wake Forest minus twenty and a half hosting Boston College. You've heard me mention a couple times in this con- in this uh, podcast that Boston College is a corpse. I believe that is true. And Wake Forest, one of the best passing offenses in the country. They're the best pass-blocking team in the country. They play at an extremely high tempo. It's hard for teams to keep up with. And here comes Boston College, and you look at their, uh, you look at their stats, and you see, oh, they're top 40 in passing yards allowed, which is pretty solid. They've faced two pass offenses in the top half <laughs> nationally, and those were Clemson and Florida State, two teams not known as big-time passing teams. They passed all over this defense. They, they drub, and that's two drubbings that Boston College took. PFF grades them 111th in pass coverage. This Boston College team has two wins. One is against Maine, the Black Bears, mm-hmm. an, an FCS school. The other is against Louisville, a game they were losing until Malik Cunningham got concussed and came out of the game, and they came back and beat a backup quarterback. Wake, on the other hand, is an overtime away with Clemson from being unbeaten. And then we'd be looking at this team totally different. And I this this is the same Wake team from last year. They lost one offensive lineman. It's, it's almost the exact same offense they had a year ago. This the same team torched Boston College in Boston 41 to 10. Now it's a home game for Wake coming off a bye. I think they absolutely run it up on BC here. I love them coming off of a bye. I think that's the big thing there. And it's the start of a difficult stretch of their schedule. Um, You know, you'll have a couple of road games here, Louisville and NC State, before home games against North Carolina and Syracuse. So this is a win that gets them the sixth win, officially bowl eligible. Not much to worry about besides let's handle our business and try and get into the ACC uh, championship game if a couple of things break our way. Let's say Syracuse upsets Clemson. Well, now Wake Forest can beat Syracuse and have something to say about possibly getting into the ACC championship game. So um, the season is still ahead of Wake Forest. I love me some Sam Hartman. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a three-touchdown win for them. All right, let's go with your total for this week. What do you see? Well, you know me, guys. It's every single week I'm betting on the same two teams. It's either Memphis (laughs) or Houston. So let's pick our poison this week. And I'll go with the over. I already said that Tulane Memphis is going to be a shootout. So if you want to take that as one of your overs, take it for one of your overs. But I'll give you the other one as well. Houston Navy's going over 51. These are two teams that are 110th and 111th in pass defense. And 110th, 109th, whatever it is. They're two of the worst pass defenses in the country. Houston can't tackle. No. They can't. I bet it, it, I, I, bad I, tackling teams against triple option teams absolutely. is a nightmare. It, and it will be a nightmare. Look at the nightmare that Houston had against UTSA to open up the season. 
Frank Harris rushed for eight, eight, just eight times for 63 yards. And every time he faked a handoff, Houston had no idea what to do. Yeah. The secondary is awful. They literally, they can't tackle anybody. They got a ridiculous win against Memphis, but still in that game, I mean, they needed the 26 points in the fourth quarter. In that game, they allowed 438 yards to Memphis, 156 on the ground to a team that doesn't really run the ball that much. So I think Navy's going to be able to run all over them. Navy has surprisingly scored points this year. They scored 34 against SMU. They put up 53 on Tulsa. So I think they're going to be able to to run and score on Houston, and I think Houston's going to be able to pass all over the Navy secondary. One of the biggest bets I've ever won in my life was the 2018 Armed Forces Bowl Army against Houston, and Houston was like bottom 10 nationally in tackling. I was like, how are they going to stop Army? Yeah. And they, it, Army won 70 to 14. <laughs> it, like it, it was, it was a, an absolute well, smash. We know you don't bet against military academies in the Armed Forces Bowl. It's just dumb. That's, it's just dumb. Yeah, we, you but, never do that. And, and listen, that was a, a whole different coaching staff for Houston, but the point holds that they're a terrible tackling team. And, if you can't tackle and this listen that 2018 army was a different kind of good uh armed forces uh, or service academy team navy is not very good but if you can't tackle against a triple option they're going to make you look dumb and i i, I think you're right i i think that and Navy's not going to stop Houston's offense, but I, I think that there's a lot of missed tackles. I think Navy gets theirs too. And by the way, for everyone that listens to this podcast, and, and we love you guys, uh, but says, you know, Scott, it's the same two teams every week. Navy, and, and it's, it's either Houston or Memphis to pick your, your total. Um, Memphis is 6-1 and one to the over this year. Houston's 5-1 and one to the over yeah, this year. Keep doing it. <laughs> so All I'm right. Keep going back to the well, guys. I'll give you an under, uh, and it's a team. Listen, it's a team that I've played unders on a few times, but it's working. Texas A&M uh, at South Carolina, under 45. And South Carolina's been a much better offense than A&M this year. Texas A&M, 5-1 to the under. But when, when South Carolina's gone up against better defenses, they struggled. They did nothing against Georgia. They weren't exactly explosive last week against Kentucky. And A&M continues to be elite on the defensive side of the football uh, and absolutely terrible on offense. And you, them putting up 20 against Alabama, I know everybody's like, oh, they hung with Bama. They put up 20. Well, that's because a backup quarterback gave them a short field multiple times that gave them easy touchdowns. Otherwise, it's not even close. Uh, I, I think this game struggles to get to 40. So under 45 feels like a pretty safe play to me. Texas A&M, South Carolina, under 45. I like it. Like I said, uh, Texas A&M, 5-1 to the under this year. All right. Well, there you go, friends. That is the card for this week. As always, stay tuned to our uh, Twitter page, Scott's particularly, Scott's on air, at Scott's on air, as he posts uh, the card as soon as we put the contest plays in. We've been doing it on Saturday mornings. Wait until we we see. Wait till the information's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which again cost us this week, but it's it's the right strategy. So we'll probably do that once again. We'll have those picks up. We'll try to get them to you before the game starts, so you've got some time to to ride with us. Listen, my goal this this year, or fade us if you want. Well, that too, you could really do that. My goal this year, 
Just one week. I'm not going to get greedy and ask for multiple weeks. I want to have an eight no week. I'd love it. I would love. I would love. We. I just love to celebrate an eight no week. One time. One time. I will say this. You know what I like about your card today? There's three dogs here. Yeah. And you said you've been struggling. You were like, I'm going to yep. change something up. Yep. So I like that I'm seeing three dogs on your on your side of the uh, the ledger. And hopefully that gets us back on the right track. So uh, for Scott Seidenberg, I am A.J. Hoffman. Good luck this weekend. Again, games aren't as pretty as they were a week ago. But, you know, that, that is, that's, that's out of our control. Here's what I got to tell you, though. If you want all of our picks, all access, even if you don't want our picks, you want Fezzik's picks, you want McKenzie Rivers' NBA picks, you want Scott's hockey. What's your what's your hockey season off to? Eleven and two. Is that good? Is that a <laughs> what? Is, what's the uh, what's the percentage on that, McKenzie? Eleven and two. You are looking at eighty-five percent. Is eighty-five percent? Is that winning? Uh, is, is that would that make a winning better long term? One second. A couple of calculations here. <laughs> Yes, that okay. is in the profitable zone. That, yeah. I'm a little upset that I'm not, you know, uh, 13 and 0. I know Scott's the one guy who's like two, the two losses. I got to be honest. Nobody with you. bitches about there. Like it's like oh, bad beat. It's I'm, like dude, I'm you're 11 and 2. 16 and 1 this up. weekend, but god damn it. I, I mean, the two losses really are sticking with me. Yeah, well, get over it. <laughs> uh, I, either way, if you want any of that stuff, you can get it at pregame.com and if you use our promo code you're going to save 20%. Blitz 20. That's Blitz 2-0. It's good for the listeners of this podcast only, so don't tell anybody else. You get 20% off any package. Uh, for me, this week, my Weekender package is going to be loaded. Lots of college football, lots of NFL. I've been killing it in NFL props somehow. It's not been my specialty, but I've had a real good eye for it this year. And UFC. And the biggest UFC card of the year. Is so uh, you can get Where all that. watching those fights? Well, the problem is it's like daytime because it's it's in the uh, the United Arab Emirates. So it's Oh, that's not fun. It's like I think it's a eight a.m. start time. Yeah, no thanks. Vegas, so I'll be I'll be getting up early uh, on Saturday, but either way, you can get anything at pregame.com for twenty percent off with that promo code Blitz twenty. All right, we're gonna get out of here. Thanks, McKenzie. Thanks, Scott Seidenberg. Thanks to you guys for listening. And tell your friends about the pod. Just don't tell them about that twenty percent off. That's only for people who listened to this show. We will talk to you guys next week. Defense, swarm, swarm and tackle, attack. We got out block them, we got out tackle them, we got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt.